Hey everyone, this is Tony with the OCPHA podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. And today I have my co-chair for the Digital Outreach Committee at OCPHA on our podcast to talk about her journey, her careers, and her career path, and um, you know, just some of the other different things that she's doing. So for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. So as uh, Dr. Tony Dow has said, uh, my name is Dr. Marino. I am a class of 2019 graduate from Chapman University School of Pharmacy. I also completed Chapman's Freshman Early Assurance Program, BEEP program, which I was a part of the inaugural class in 2014, which is also the year I graduated high school. And five years later, I graduated with a PharmD in 2019 with Chapman University. I recently got my board certification in medication therapy management as a specialist in October. It's BCMTMS for short. Uh, right now, I'm currently working as a clinical staff pharmacist at South Coast Mission Pharmacy, which is an outpatient pharmacy down at Mission Hospital Laguna Beach. As uh, Dr. Tony Dow also mentioned, I'm also involved as part of OCPHA's Digital Outreach as their co-chair, and I'm currently an adjunct assistant professor and preceptor for Chapman, also alumni board chair and social media outreach for the School of Pharmacy's alumni advisory board. For those who may know me um, or have heard of the Vietnamese Pharmacists Association, I was their former secretary and vice president of professional development for them as well. And last but not least, uh, just recently, I'm part of the new practitioner executive committee, part of the uh, council committee task force under the California Society of Health Pharmacists. So I'm involved in a lot of uh, pretty big name uh, community organizations, especially that that of a pharmacy. So you know, one way or another, you may hear hear my name every now and then. So that's me. Awesome. So I'm going to say that's a, that's a lot of things you just named off. And uh, I, I guess like I want to ask you, like, how how do you manage your time just being so involved? Yeah, so a lot of times it's really just kind of have like I will say first is a uh, Google Calendar is my best friend when I know that I'm not able to make it like in present like in person I usually try to do a lot of behind the scenes work and try to communicate with my teammates whoever it may be whichever organization it is that I'm trying to work on like certain projects on um, so a lot of times I see myself doing a lot of behind the scenes work but then whenever I'm in like let's say like my alumni board chair role, I tried to take initiative and kind of get input from everybody to see how these uh, certain events are conveyed. So when it comes to Google Calendar, I try to section different parts of the week to, okay, this is the task that I'm going to put in for today, or okay, this is what I am planning to um, have discussed with uh, certain people, like, you know, for example, like Dr. Tony Dow, if there's like any digital outreach projects that are in the works, working with um, Dr. Bin Tran or Dr. Mike Dehada on upcoming uh, healthcare clinics that are in the works and just letting them know I may not be able to make it to some of the meetings, but I do have some ideas that are currently uh, being worked on in progress. So a lot of behind the scenes and on the scenes work uh, for the most part, but for the most part, I've been able to kind of juggle my time pretty well. And again, Google Calendar is literally the one thing that I always have like in my first tab when I open up my window, figuring out what I'm doing for the next day or what I'm doing for the day of. So that way I can kind of mentally prepare myself for the day ahead or days ahead, I mean. Awesome. That's actually pretty similar to me. Like I live by my calendar too. So, um, and people have commented that I, I do a lot of things. So uh, good to hear that that's actually how you do it too. 
And I guess uh, also to like back up a little bit and uh, just talk about how you went into pharmacy and you did the early, early assurance program. So I guess for you, like what kind of made you know that pharmacy was something you wanted to do so early on in your career? So I will say it definitely roots the family. Um, mainly, I served as like a, I guess like a caretaker role at such a, what I think is a pretty young age of like at least like 12 or 13, I was helping to take care of my grandma and she would be on so many medications, whether it may be for like for her urinary function, her mood, her cholesterol, all that. I would be the one to remind her to take her medications at certain times of the day. But every now and then she would be asking, why should I take this? And I would have absolutely no words how to answer. And again, you know, I'm only, I was only like, I think, like in my teenage years, like I had no idea what the science of, of all these like drugs were. And I just knew that as I guess a caretaker at the time, well, even though as young as I was, I, I knew for a fact that like I could only just remind her to just take these and I would have no explanation. And so early in school, I became a lot more interested in learning the sciences with all the math and chemistry involved. And then I come to learn through a few like guest speakers that came into like my math and science classes that you can use those kinds of skills in math and chemistry to help people get better. Um, also kind of a small fun fact of mine, um, I'm not a fan of blood whatsoever. And though I did think of dentistry, I knew I wouldn't be able to handle the blood and, and bad like mouth odor and conditions. And pharmacy was something that I probably decided by the time I hit junior year of high school, once I got into a lot of like challenging like AP classes and stuff at the time. So a lot of it had to do with family, but also had to do with um, the uh, classes that I took back in school. Wow. Yeah. It's it's just always so surprising to me that, you know, uh, people like, like yourself would know such an early on, you know, like that's something that you want to do. And then, you know, now that you're actually in your, your current role, can you kind of describe like your primary job at, at the pharmacy? Like, uh, what do you do? Yeah, sure. So... At Southwest Mission Pharmacy now, I work mainly with patients who are they're either discharged from the hospital or they're patients that are currently residing in various um, Orange County or LA County mental health rehabs. And, you know, the small percentage of uh, patients that come into my pharmacy are walk-ins from the local community because we are still technically like a small independent pharmacy, even though we are located within Mission Hospital Laguna Beach. Um, one thing I do really like about this job is that I get to work with psychiatric patients for the most part about, I will say, 80-85% of my patient population are those who have psychiatric um, conditions or substance use disorder. And so eventually, I, I definitely see myself aiming to specialize in this, especially because there's so many like, there's, there's a large array of like mental health disorders and regimens that each person has. And Back when COVID cases were peaking, I used to work about four to five days a week. Now I do work about three to four days a week, usually falling in between Thursday through Monday. The hours vary. I could work solo at times and hours can go as early as 8 a.m. in the morning. And I could work up until maybe 2 a.m. to finish the workload. So it, it gets it gets crazy, especially um, if, um, if I have to work solo. But for the most part, I try to communicate with whoever the patients or the caregivers um I'm working with are at. So I come in and work on all the orders and prescriptions that come through our system electronically or via fax. 
Uh, we have discharges every now and then that leave the hospital to homes, but we also have discharge patients who end up getting admitted to these psych facilities too. So when it comes to the setting that I'm in, there's a typical community outpatient pharmacy aspect to it. But there's also a decent amount of uh, clinical work that I've come, I've gone to come across. Um, a handful of uh, interdisciplinary communication with uh, physicians and nurses and a small handful of uh, transitions of care. Uh, these patients may go from hospital to rehab, rehab to home, etc. And another cool thing, which I think is the most interesting about my job, is that I am also I also take on the responsibility of having students come in while on the job, which makes work a little bit more fun and interesting, and makes me feel more motivated to always keep my knowledge up to date. Awesome! And actually, you just mentioned about students, and you're also associated with uh, the the Chapman School of Pharmacy as well. And I, I think, like uh, from what I understand, you have a pretty strong passion in teaching. Can you kind of mm-hmm. expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, sure. So. I knew by the final year in pharmacy school that I wanted to be in a teaching role, whether it be as a professor or a preceptor one day. Random fun fact, um, in 2018, when I was a final year student, I actually had a um, an academia pharmacy rotation with uh, Dr. Bach, who is on the OCPHA board. Uh, so those six weeks, honestly, I felt like were just way too quick for me. But it was pretty amazing to be on like the other side, um, being able to kind of see how students like were to like, let's say, like try to like present like a patient case for the first time or do like an OSCE case. What that wasn't just patient patient counseling. It was like a patient presentation to like a standardized preceptor. So I honestly thought those six weeks were like super, like super amazing to me. And it definitely kind of opened my eyes out, opened my eyes to like these like potential possibilities of teaching. Uh, I will say being an inaugural freshman early assurance program student at Chapman, it did have some perks and drawbacks. A lot of what I went through uh, still felt like there was going to be a lot more development like in the future, uh, like the rotations experiences I got to choose and just being able to do these rotations. Uh, I will say uh, 2015 was when I think the Chapman School of Pharmacy has kind of had their first inaugural class. So three years wasn't really enough to have, in my opinion, like enough breadth. I kind of had to seek more. I feel like there was more that I wanted to know that I feel like three years in school wouldn't be enough. And I mean, I do like the fact that um, with this three-year program that Chapman has had me go through, I was able to kind of learn a lot like quickly about like the hospital and like the AM care and the community type of setting. But I knew that there were other non-traditional roles out there that I really wanted to know more about that. Like, you know, if you're going to pharmacy school three or four years, you know, a certain amount of like things are like exposed to you. And so in my opinion, I thought the three years was, it was good still, but at the same time, I felt like a lot of it had to largely be on my own like time and research. Um, after going through the different types of iffy appy rotations um, during school, I thought a lot about at least what kind of preceptor I wanted to be and how to make my precepting and rotations all the more valuable to these students. Um, so right now I'm currently a preceptor for Chapman, mainly for the second year students as a um, psychiatric elective. But even though it's considered a psychiatry elective, given like the patient population that I'm currently focusing on, I do set it up in a way where the elective is almost an elective to help prepare you for appies. Kind of like an, I would 
probably call it like a appy boot camp almost. <laughs> Although I'm not that rough compared to like how appy preceptors would be usually. <laughs> so I tend to have my students do more interprofessional communication with nurses and physicians, provide script or order clarifications, including like thinking about like alternatives or therapeutic um therapeutic choices to provide to these providers who may want to see if there's like other ways to go about providing the care that these patients need. And even like having these students give like topic discussions and mini presentations on like, let's say like new meds that are out on the market. I had a student who helped go over like, it's kind of like a review for them mainly. For example, antipsychotic medications, what's out there, what are some side effects to look out for, what are the best side effects to use when somebody is trying to avoid weight gain, avoid sedation, all that stuff. So again, this is something that like, I want it to be very valuable for students coming to my rotation. And hopefully, like later on, it translates into a more like higher level like teaching. Eventually, I kind of want to have like my own lectures later on, too. So it's a goal. (laughs) I value teaching a lot. So I know that, you know, for your grad year, there were a lot of challenges with like your classmates uh, during that year um, out of school. And I was just wondering too, like, you know, your your involvements, all the things that you're doing and some of those challenges, like how have, them be, how have they been able to kind of uh, shape you as a growing pharmacist? So I will say after school, um, over time, I, I knew I wanted to keep using my personal and professional skills to give back to others, whether it be my patients, um, my students, colleagues that I'm working with or know, uh, the community, my current involvement, and so on. I realized that I'm playing both the role of an educator and a lifelong scholar as a pharmacist. It really gets hard to keep up once in a while with clinical updates, and I feel like every time a new update comes out, I would want to search it up on Medscape, bookmark the page, or keep it marked as unread in my inbox for later when time allows me to read through all that. Um, with the board certification I got, for example, I knew I wanted to go the extra mile to show that I've been studying, I've been keeping relevant, and that I have the capability to provide more clinical services like MTM and CMR as a pharmacist. Not going to lie, I will, I will say though, I have been contacted by a couple well-known companies for interviews not too long ago since that certification. <laughs> the whole certification, similar to that of BPS, it's it's a challenging exam I thought I wouldn't pass, but then I somehow ended up scoring like 85 on it, which I don't know where it is on the scale, but all I know is that I just passed. So as for my other involvements, I, I, I've i seen myself as someone who wanted to give back to the community during these crazy times, whether it be through like guest presentations or working with a BPHA or OC Health to set up health fairs or working with students or new graduate pharmacists and making educational materials for social media. So one bit, one big thing is, you know, with all of like COVID that's going on, mental health has been a big issue. So that was one infographic that I helped create. And then with all these updates with the COVID vaccines, that's another pro, um, project that I've been helping uh, to do like fact checks and also make sure like information is like correct and everything on there when uh, working with students and colleagues on these projects. So I will say somewhat of a recurring theme that I see when it comes to all this is just using my talents in social media and professional networking to 
convey these important messages on current health topics or to even educate the health or pharmacy community of what's really out there. I know I'm going to like a lot. I'm going to be honest that the years after school have been pretty eye-opening for me. So a lot of health fairs that I even got to help direct and coordinate the last few years really made me appreciate appreciate like the role of being like a community health outreach person. It's one of those things that I think as like a practicing pharmacist is that I've definitely learned that health literacy, cultural socio socioeconomic factors are super important, especially when it comes to accessing like the care that you need. And so that's kind of probably the biggest thing out of all the involvements and projects and all that that I've been trying to get involved in is is that. And so so yeah, <laughs> long long answer to that, but hopefully that's kind of my takeaway from that for that question. Yeah, of, of course. Like, you know, all the things that you've been doing, like it's not without being recognized. And, you know, obviously um, there are people that see all the things that you've been doing and they, they do want to recognize you for it. And I just want to transition in to talking about, you know, congratulating you on the recent uh, GoodRx uh, award that you got for Breakout Pharmacists of 2021 for one of the uh, Above and Beyond Pharmacy Awards that GoodRx has put out. And, you know, also some of the other awards that you've uh, you've had in the past. So, uh, yeah, can you kind of just talk about, you know, what those awards are and what is your takeaway from uh, from being awarded those awards? Honestly, I, I never I didn't really see both of these awards coming <laughs> until like, I guess, I, I guess when like a couple people reached out to me, like asking, oh, where's your CV? I'm going to nominate you for this. I'm like, oh, OK. And I didn't really expect to get anything really until I got this email <laughs> saying like, hey, congratulations. So according to... The, per, the, the people that have like nominated me for this breakout award, the Go to Rights Breakout Pharmacist Award is that um, it's for a new practitioner pharmacist within five years of graduating. Uh, it's for like those who have shown like exceptional like service to pharmacy, whether it be through like practice or some type of like innovation or community involvement. It had like a whole rubric according to what they said. I was like looking up the rules right after I got my results, like out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, okay. So apparently there's like an advisory board that scores candidates based on like the, um, per, like the nominees, like pharmacy, ph pharmacy background, their experience and contributions, perceived impact and all that, that pertains to being, you know, a breakout pharmacist. So. Pretty, pretty surprising to me. Like, honestly, I, I, I did not see this coming. I was helping a friend of mine share this award because she actually works directly with GoodRx. And so I had like a lot of names that I wanted to like, you know, nominate because, you know, I've seen so many pharmacists out there, especially during like this pandemic, like do all they can to like give, provide efforts to the community and whatnot. But that's as far as I am aware with the GoodRx uh, award, that's, that's what I know. I will also say I did get another award from my own alma mater, um, which is a Distinguished Alumni Award. I don't know the criteria for that either. I just know that each dean of um, Chapman University's different like schools and departments have like some criteria where they select alumni for their achievements and service to the community to the community in Chapman. I guess I, I will say though I have been working pretty closely with the Dean of Chapman School of Pharmacy, Dean Ron Jordan, who's been very supportive of what I've been doing with the Alumni Advisory Board as chair and with social media. 
some of the orgs I was involved with school, I'm now helping them be like either preceptor or be like a uh, like a review a review person to a lot of their programs and educational info that they're trying to create. So there's that. And then I guess the, the last thing is like the the projects mainly related to like health fairs and um, community outreach that I've been trying to do. And a lot of times it's it's got to do with um, kind of making a difference in at least my community that I live in. Majority of the patients that I help take care of in the community are those of mainly those who are either Hispanic or, or Vietnamese. I do as I, I try to collaborate with a lot of uh, different organizations, be it like student organizations, co- county health organizations to provide clinical services to people who can't really afford healthcare services very easily or those who may not yet understand like their own health yet. I will say that with some of these health fair community service outreach projects I've been working on, I have a lot of passion for those, especially being a child of divorce, coming from a family that had like financial issues in the past. I was aware that something needed to change that not only my family, but the communities I'm in can like learn and benefit from in terms of like all those services. So with all these things I, I help to lead and coordinate, my goal at the end of the day is to make some sort of good impact on at least one person's health, whether it's through being empowered, knowing their health and services that they can access or realizing that, hey, maybe I should cut back on sweets or, hey, maybe I should really cut back on on drinking or something like that. And I guess last but not least with like these projects and uh, health outreach events that I've like help put on. I also provide and kind of reach out to like students in different organizations, like saying, hey, would you like to help help out? Because a lot of this is not a solo effort. I always try to kind of bring in different people to see if they're willing to help out, um, looking for ways for students and other colleagues to help be involved in the community too, if they'd like. A lot of this involves like projects and events that just, you know, again, it's not a solo effort, but I do find a lot of reward back taking the initiative to help wherever I can and, you know, being able to support different organizations and like the help to, um, you know, provide these services during this crazy time is all the more rewarding for me. That's, that's awesome. And, you know, like you've, you've had so much experience of like going through, you know, from your, just from your start of career to like where you are now and, you know, still continuing to, to kind of pave your own path for this. And, um, I, I'm wondering, like, you know, if there's current pharmacists or pharmacy students that, uh, wanted to, you know, um, ask for your advice about like what they can do about their career path. Like what kind of things would you, would you say to them? Well, first off, I, I'm, I'm going to have to state that the job market can be pretty rough upon entering as a new grad pharmacist. And as for pharmacy intern jobs, I would have to also admit that they don't come by easily either. Um, I'll share that, I guess, like when I was attending CSHP seminar, like actually like a couple months ago, uh, they had a they had a career transition session and a lot of the panelists there were all former or current residents or fellows. I don't mean to critique the panelists there. They did an amazing, amazing job in like sharing their aspects. My only take on the session was that I thought it wasn't a good representation of the 70 to 80 percent of students in their graduating class. I was that would be going straight into the workforce if not matched with residency, residency or fellowship. I have to remind students this and that regardless where you may end up after graduation, 
you will still become a doctor of pharmacy by the end of your schooling, by the time you graduate. It makes you no less valuable in serving the health profession and community you already serve, especially during these crazy times. If there's one big piece of advice I could give is one to definitely build your network. Uh, the saying pharmacy is a small world almost feels so literal because you'll want to keep hearing the same, you'll not want to, but you'll keep hearing the same names ever so often. Like, like for example, Dr. Tony Dow, I've heard a lot about <laughs> from a lot of different connections and different sessions. So I will say whether you build your professional relationships through conferences, LinkedIn, organizations or health fair events, or even in your own classroom, these relationships become like a super valuable asset that can help you later on and even help you explore your interests, which leads into my second and last big advice is to keep an open mind and stay hungry. Uh, there is a crude but well-spoken proverb that Steve Jobs actually said back then where he says, stay hungry, stay foolish. My take on this by staying hungry is to be willing to challenge yourself, whether it's like a new rotation, new task, new direction in pharmacy for you. You'll never know until you try it. And who knows, you may even like it enough to pursue it. Uh, what I mean to stay foolish is that, you know, I see that as a take as taking the opportunity to get out of your comfort zone, you you can take time to like research and learn about these different paths in pharmacy when you're still in school or in like a career rut. So, you know, those challenging rotations, they may be daunting to like, you know, even put them on like your rank list when you're trying to like pick out your appy sites for the upcoming year. But if it's something that you want to see yourself in the future in, I would say definitely go for it. I'll be honest and say, earlier in school, there were times I wanted to take the easy way out and not take classes and electives that would have been way more eye-opening for me. Do not make that mistake. You're only in school for about two to three more years left until you're out. Take this opportunity to learn what is out there, whether it be like through guest speaking, like events, going to pharmacy professional events, networking nights, and so on. So if you're a pharmacist who is trying to transition of, out of like, let's say like a retail job and you're going, if you want to go into either something like a non-traditional pharmacy job or something like a hospital or am care setting, take the opportunity to see if you can take on certificate courses or CEs that can help make your resume stand out. Though a handful of board certifications may have residency as a requirement, there are other ways that you can get to these board certifications. Some of them may require a certain amount of years in a certain setting to be done or certain years like practicing or working with like, let's say like geriatric patients that may be a requirement or some certain amount of courses may need to be um, completed before some of these board certifications, like the certification I got, for example, BCMTMS. Um, it could also help you earn that board certification without residency. I know there are at least a couple um, pharmacists that used to work with uh, one of the big chain pharmacies that actually just got their board certification in ambulatory care. Um, so, you know, it, this is your part now where you kind of have to do a bit of your own research and see whether or not you're willing to put in the time to um, take on the challenge. Again, stay hungry, stay foolish. 
Awesome. Thanks for, uh, you know, sharing that advice. And, you know, if people wanted to reach out to you, you know, since you were talking about networking earlier, if they wanted to reach out to you and then ask you more questions, what's the best way they can reach you at? Uh, yeah, so you can reach out to me by email. And I don't joke when I say this. <laughs> it's mango at mail.chapman.edu. I did not decide that the school automatically generated that. I guess MGO got taken. <laughs> um, you can also reach out to me by LinkedIn. You can look look me up, uh, Maringo Farm D V C M T M S. And then lastly, I'm not I, I'm no longer on VPHA's acting board of directors, but I do help coordinate community outreach events and infographics with them. But you can visit uh, their Instagram page at VPHA underscore USA and their website at vphausa.org. Awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, you know, just being on the podcast today and sharing that information. And I'll be putting that into the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out. So to be respectful of your time, I just want to say thank you again for being on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I really hope that you enjoy your time on the podcast. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners learned a lot from you. Thank you for having me here.